Happy Easter. It's good to see you in church this morning. And we're going to talk about what it means to be known. Because one of the greatest desires of mankind is to be known. But being known is so much more than people knowing your email address or seeing your Facebook page or liking your Instagram post or being added to a Snapchat contact list or having 500 followers on Twitter. That's not what it means to be known. To be known means you have real relationship with God and with others. You have people that like you, that understand you, that, that you value, that value you, that you understand and know your purpose and you have found fulfillment. What we found over the centuries is that this is resident in mankind. We all desire for someone to know us, to love us, and to want us in their lives. We're all born with that desire. From the least popular to the most popular, there's this strong desire to be known. When we are not popular, we, we wonder if anyone cares about us at all or would even miss us if we were gone. And if we're super popular, at least this is what the super popular people tell us, I wouldn't know. But when you're super popular, we see the same problem, don't we? They run after everything, trying to be known because they understand that all the people that are around them really don't know them at all and are just around them because they have money and wealth and popularity, and they want that too. In fact, the very wealthy often are ones that we see taking their life because they truly don't know if somebody knows them deeply on the inside. It's interesting that on both ends of this spectrum, we struggle to be truly known. And those of us in the middle, we put our head on the pillow at night and think the same thing. And we'd like to have a relationship with someone who knows everything about us and still wants to be around, still wants to be our friend, still wants to be in relationship. All of us are struggling to be known. And what we've observed is while we try to find that in our earthly relationships and they can take care of much or most of that void that is inside of us, we still fall short. There's still something. We can have really great relationships all around us, a great marriage, great friends, great coworkers, and you go to sleep and there's still a void and you're like, what's going on? How could this be possible? My life is so great. I believe that that void is there because God created us in his image. That void is there because our spirit will always be longing for relationship with its designer. And still we try everything. We try everything to fill this void and nothing seems to work. What's interesting is if you talk to people that have tried everything, and I mean everything, to fill the void, and their life is just utterly falling apart, and they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They come to believe in God as their Father, and they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They fully surrender to God. They have this incredible, thankful heart, and, and they feel like life is now completely filled because God is in their life, and the void is gone, and they are now known by the one who gives them significance and value. This void and this desire to be known tells us that we're all searching 
for the truth. We don't want a fairy tale. The truth isn't in material things. We don't want a lie. We just want the void filled. This is why Easter is so important. Because Jesus came to fill that void. Jesus came to die on the cross and rise again so that we could have relationship with our designer, relationship with our creator and our heavenly father, and that void that is in there in our heart and in our mind, in our spirit, would be gone because it's been filled by God. See, his sacrificial act helps us understand what it fully means to be known and loved by God. And when we look at Jesus on the cross, we see unlimited love. We see someone who is willing to do whatever it takes to have relationship with us. A God who thinks you're special, valuable, and important. That's who God is. Jesus often used stories and illustrations to describe how this relationship between him and us works. And he used several different stories and illustrations to try to help us with that. And I'd like us to look at one this morning. It's in the book of John, chapter 10, which is in the New Testament of the Bible. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me or you can uh, jump on an app on your phone and follow along in that way. Or you can use the screen behind me. In this section of verses in the Bible, Jesus uses the illustration of a shepherd, shepherding, and sheep to illustrate what it's like for you and I to have a relationship with us. Now, Jesus is a shepherd, and we are the sheep. We'll talk about that in a minute. But would you look at this section of verses with me? Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand does, is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. In this section of verses, we see that Jesus compared himself to the gate. It's how we get into relationship with God. It's how we stay in relationship. It's how we work out this relationship with God. It's how we get to good green pastures. He compared you and I to sheep. Isn't that good news? 
Because sheep are smart. Sheep are wise. Sheep. <laughs> Five times, Jesus said, I laid down my life for the sheep. Now that's interesting because most shepherds didn't lay down their life for sheep because sheep are fill in the blank. <laughs> Five times. He said, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep in reference to the cross. He said, I'm going to take my life up again twice in reference to his resurrection that I would come back to life and I would conquer death for the sheep. This is a powerful relationship that Jesus is talking about between him and us and how he's going to lay down his life for us so that we might have a life that is truly life, a full life. So Jesus laid his life down and he took it up again to conquer death for us and to help us with this desire to be known. See, the cross tells us that God sees you. That God sees you right where you're at. Think about that just for a minute. God sees you in the seat you're sitting at. He knows you. He sees you. He knows you. Verse 14, he said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. For some of you, there needs to be some subtraction done there. So he knows how many are not on your head. And some addition. I need some addition. I know that. And the Bible says that he knew you and formed you in your mother's womb. That he chose you before the creation of the world. These are intimate statements. They're intimate statements about how God sees you. In Hebrews 4, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That means God sees you. Now, sometimes, maybe many times if you're in this situation, but sometimes it can feel like no one in the world sees you, can it? Like you go to school and you walk down the hallway. Your school has hundreds of students in it. You walk down the hallway and nobody sees you or acknowledges you. You go on to campus and there's thousands of students on campus and not one of them says hi to you. You start to wonder, does anybody see me? And you go to work and you're there for eight to ten hours and nobody interacts with you. And you can begin to wonder, does anybody see me? Am I known at all? This morning, would you hear this fact? God sees you. He sees you right where you're at. He also said that he sees something else that's happening in our life and in the world around us. He said, I also see a thief, a wolf, hired people that run away from the sheep. And this thief and this wolf, they're designed to steal and kill and destroy the life that is truly life that God has for us. In verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's good news that what God wants for us is a full life, a life that's full of love and joy and peace and everything good that we can possibly imagine. But here's what's true. I think we all see it in the world around us. There's lots of thieves out there trying to steal that from us, aren't there? 
There are lots of things in our culture that we believe and man-made philosophies that we've bought into, and they all steal from us the life that is truly life that Jesus went to a cross and rose from the dead to give us if we would just live in his goodness. Now, here's what's interesting. God saw and sees all of your struggle and mine, and he chose to do something about it. The cross is the solution to our struggle. The cross is the answer to you and I living this full life. The cross and the resurrection tell you that God sees you. It also tells you that God loves you. The verse that Troy shared this morning, Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is good news. Why? Because God loves you and me at our worst. That's good news. Now, it's easy to love someone when they're at their best and everything's great, right? It's easy. It's real simple to love someone who just is, lets you do whatever you want. But what this verse says is that God loves you when you hate him. That God loves you when you push him away, he still loves you. When you are at your worst, God is at his best. Now, there's something very powerful about being loved at our worst. It, it reveals the depth of someone's love when they continue to love us through our faults. And that's exactly what God does. He continues to love us no matter what. In fact, the Bible says that there is a promise for those who embrace God's love and choose to live in it. The Bible says some amazing things about this type of love. Listen to what it says in Romans 8 about God's love and, and what happens when you and I choose to live in this love. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which he lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. That's good news. When you and I look at the cross, it tells us that God really, really loves us. And that's why Easter is so important to be reminded that God loves us unconditionally and fully, even at our worst. And that's why we should choose to serve him and believe in him and live our best for him. Jesus' death and resurrection reminds you that you are known by God. It tells you that God sees you, that God loves you, and that he is for you. God is for you. In fact, one of the ways we can know that someone is for us is their support and their love. Parents are good at this. 
If you are a parent, you're good at this. If you are a person, you hopefully had parents that were good at this for you. But parents, that's what they do, right? They follow their kids around, watching their games, their plays, their concerts, their recitals. And, and we follow our kids around. And what are we telling them? We're telling them that we are for you. We want the best for you. I remember my parents doing this for me. I knew they were for me because they chased me all over sporting events. And some of them were hours and hours away. They would give me things they would, to, to help me understand that they, they believed in me and they were for me. They'd like give me a basketball, a new glove, a bat, something to protect my brain. They'd give me money to get a treat for the long bus rides on away games. By the way, I had two away games in high school. One was six hours one way, one was seven hours one way. These were long bus rides. And I'd always get those little root beers. Yeah, those were awesome. <laughs> I should have got Mountain Dew or Jolt, but I wanted to sleep on the way home, right? Our parents remind us that they are for us, but God also reminds us that he is for us. God is for you. How do we know this? Because of his support and love. He gave us his son. He gave us his own life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, the cross tells us that God is for us. The resurrection tells us that God is for us. These things tell us that God sees us, that he loves us, that he is for us. And lastly, that he won't give up on you. God won't give up on you. That's important, and it's good news. Recently, we bought a chocolate lab puppy at our house. It's very cute. But it's a puppy. In fact, now he's a year and a couple months. So he's a big puppy. And he does all kinds of puppy things. His name is Boomer. Say Boomer. Boomer. Isn't that a good name for a chocolate lab? It's a good name. Boomer. Boomer still does puppy things. He drags mud in the house. He pees in the wrong places. He eats everything he can find on the floor, no matter what it is. One time it was a light bulb. That was a little scary, by the way. How's that going to get out? He jumps on you. And then this is the craziest thing. He jumps on your back and bites your ear. Like, no, I don't want an ear piercing. What, is it, what are you doing? And he bites your ear. But here's what's interesting. Even though Boomer is a challenge, we're not giving up on him. He's part of the family now. We've put up with puppy life because we like the dog, and the dog likes us. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm also kind of not giving up on the dog because we purchased the dog. <laughs> I'm going to be totally dad honest with you right now. The dog costs us something. So there's a little bit more vested interest here. 
We had to sacrifice some financially to get the dog. Therefore, I'm more invested. I'm more interested in this dog. We also have a miniature schnauzer that was free. Fill in the blank. <laughs> He's a, she's a good dog, too. Yeah. I love her just as much. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. Boomer doesn't know he's valuable, but he is. He doesn't know he's valuable, but he is. The other day, because he's just a freak about a ball, he ran out right in front of a truck, almost lost it. He doesn't know his value. So he doesn't stop at the sidewalk. I think it's possible this morning that some of us think we're not valuable too. But you are. Some of you don't understand how much Jesus loves you and how valuable you are. See, Jesus bought us with his blood with his life, by coming back to life. You may think nobody sees you, but you're wrong. God sees you. You may not think anyone loves you, and you may be in relationship with people, but God loves you. You may not think anyone is for you, but God is. And you may feel like the world has given up on you, but God hasn't. The cross and the resurrection and every Easter and every Christmas, you have moments on the calendar where you can be reminded that God sees you, that God loves you, that he is for you, and he does not ever give up on you. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. And 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we give up on him, he does not give up. See, he knows you. And he wants you to know him so that you can be truly and fully known and loved by God. All these things tell us the depth of God's desire to be in relationship with us. The fact that God sees us and loves us and is for us and never gives up on us reminds us how passionately in love with us God is. Even if we're not in love with him, it doesn't matter. He loves you. Because there are things in our life that sometimes come along that are so important. It makes sense for us to deeply think about those things for a moment. So I'm going to ask us to do that just for, for a moment here as we conclude. Would you just close your eyes with me? And I want you to think about this idea of being known. I want you to think about the fact that God sees you, 
and that he loves you, that he's for you, and that he'll never give up on you. These are true things. Some of you maybe are hearing them for the first time. But maybe you've heard them for a long time. It doesn't matter whether it's the first time or you've heard them many times. The truth right now is that these things are so important that they deserve a moment. They deserve a decision. They deserve some thought process and sometimes they deserve action. And so right now, as you sit in your seat, I, I want to give you an opportunity to take some action if you'd like. Your choice this morning is quite simple. It's either to continue doing life the way you're doing it or to follow Jesus. To recognize all that he's done for you and all that he has given you and all that he wants for you. And to choose that and believe it and be saved and live in his love for the rest of your life. So right as you sit in that seat, if maybe you've never made a decision to say yes to Jesus, to believe in him and to serve him. Maybe you made one a long time ago and there's been a lot of water under the bridge since then and you've walked away from him. And you'd like to start afresh this morning. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus today, you'd like to start a relationship with him, believe in him, and serve him who loves you. I'm just going to give you a moment to think about that. Then I'm going to give you an action step. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And God sees you right where you're at. And so he'll see your hand going to ask you to raise it high and say your hand being raised high is saying I want to I want to believe in Jesus I want to follow Jesus I want to serve Jesus if that's what you think what you believe and what you want to do this morning would you just raise your hand 